Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. This is Fatina. And you're listening to our Halloween episode of Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. It's Halloween. Yes. And it's also... Our, our two year. <laughs> I was like, what is, like it? what is it? <laughs> we have been in business for two years. Woo-hoo. Two glorious years. Yeah. It's been a fun two years. Yeah. So... I mean, I'm excited for today's episode, so. Thank you to those of you who have been around since the beginning. Yeah. And even those of you who haven't been. Yep. <laughs> we appreciate every single one of you. Go tell a friend that doesn't doesn't know about us yet. Yeah, say, this is my Halloween treat to you. Yes. Or trick. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for today's episode, I did a poll on Instagram and then did a second poll because people were not voting the way I wanted them to vote. And you all still ended up voting the way I didn't want you to vote. So today we're bringing you a Halloween true crime story. Oh, I thought we were doing the box thing. No, Did because you? that one didn't win. <laughs> and oh. that's why I tried to sway the vote. So if you follow us on Instagram, if you don't, you should, because that's where I'm most active. It's at A Stranger Danger Podcast. I did a vote where I was like, pick one of four things. So it was like the Dybbuk box, Amityville, a true crime Halloween story, and then... But no, you narrowed it down to the to two, right? The yeah. true crime story and the Dybbuk box. Dybbuk box. Dybbuk box. Yeah. yeah. And so people were not voting the way I wanted them to vote. So I took the top two, and it was a true crime Halloween story or the Dybbuk box, box and people still voting for the true crime story. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's probably because of anyone that heard the Conjuring story and then went on to Patreon. If you haven't done that already, we put a a free episode on Patreon. So it's public for everyone, which was what was happening in our room after After. the Conjuring was recorded or after we recorded the episode on it. So maybe if it freaked people out, they're like, "Mm, I don't want them demons in here. So maybe. But don't you worry, I will be covering the Divic box at some point because I am truly interested in it. And I do, um, it's like a nod to my minuscule Jewish heritage. Mm. I have just a pinch of it in my blood and I really strongly identify with it. Um, so it is, it does have a, um, Jewish origination. And so for that reason, I'm super invested and interested in it. So we will be doing that at some point, but today I'm letting the voters win. But that box thing is at the Zach Bagans. There is one there. Yeah. There's multiple. Oh, there's more than one? Yeah. You can order it on, I don't know about Amazon, but you can order one online. Excuse me? But there are more than one. There is a very haunted one at the Zach Bagans house. Oh, you'll have to tell me about that later. Okay. We'll get into it. Had you guys voted that way, I would be telling you about it today, but that we can't all get what we want, apparently. I mean, true crime, that's what we're here for, so. I guess. My blood type is true crime, Yeah. I'll probably be doing that next time, just FYI. A little November spook. Yeah. I, you know, the spooky stuff has been, like, even though weird stuff keeps happening afterwards... I have really, like, my mental space has, like, really appreciated the break from murder. The mystery. Yeah. It just, like, it feels wholesome in comparison (laughs) to murder. Um, I don't know why that is, but it does feel, like, more palatable for me right now. Hmm. So we might be going back there very soon. 
I love it. I've always liked creepy and spooky things. And people love it. We got like a ton. I got a ton of DMs that were like, I love this. Keep doing more of it. Blah, blah, blah. And then when the voting happened, I was like, what? You guys, (laughs) you just told me to do it. Where was that energy? (laughs) Yeah, come on. But it's fine. Okay. So today I am bringing you a story of a Halloween double murder. Ooh. So Adrian... In Sagna and Leslie Mazzara and Lauren, whose last name we have, but she's asked other outlets to withhold it, so I won't disclose it. We're all living in a house in Napa Valley, California in 2004. So all three girls were 26. They were single, attractive, career-oriented. Lauren was a star athlete. She had a political science degree, and she moved in first with Adrian. And Adrian was a civil engineer for the city sanitation district. Which okay. I was like, an engineer? Okay. Go on, Adrian. Um, when Adrian was 16, she had been in a horrible car accident. So she was in the car and it rolled three times. Whoa. The window had been rolled down. So she ended up hitting her head on the pavement. It was supposed... I mean, essentially it was should have been a fatal car accident, but she did end up surviving it. In fact, she returned to school just after a few months. And at the time it was like, that kind of made sense. Cause she was like pretty scrappy. Like she was yeah. a fighter and she did suffer some memory loss from a head injury, but overall made a full recovery. And then even earned a scholarship to California Polytech. And that's when she became an engineer. So like, She had a lot going on for her. Yeah, Yeah. and even despite, like, a very significant head trauma, like, to become an engineer, like, that's pretty significant. Adrian and Lauren moved in together into the house in early 2004, and when they moved in, they had kind of, like, an impromptu housewarming party. So Adrian's friend, Ben Katz, he had come over and helped them move in, and when they were basically, like, all kind of settled for the day... Adrian and Ben had their friends over, Lily Prudhomme and Eric Copel. They like basically came over to like kind of do like a little mini housewarming sure, party. Like just congratulations. Hang out. Yeah. Everything was good. And then another friend named Leslie, like I've said, uh, Leslie Mazzara, she moved in later that summer. She was a former beauty queen from South Carolina. I mean, insanely beautiful. Uh, PR specialist, she worked at a winery run by the director of the popular movie franchise, The Godfather. Oh. Apparently he had wineries in Napa Valley. Fun I would fact. too. <laughs> um, yeah. And she had like kind of gone there just to like get a job basically. She was just like, listen, I need employment. And they hired her on the spot and she ended up falling in love with the wine industry and she was like, I'm going to make this a career. Oh, super cool. So Leslie had started dating a guy. Actually, Leslie dated a lot. So she was new to the area and she dated pretty frequently. She dated at the time in October, she was dating two men at once. And there was one that she like felt particularly connected to, but on October 28th, one of the guys that she'd been dating had come over and apparently nobody had really, like none of the girls had really brought a guy home at this point. Mm -hmm. Although they had all been dating, Adrian had a boyfriend that she dated on and off and they had like kind of a volatile, toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. Leslie dated a lot, but hadn't really brought anybody home. But this particular night on October 28th, her, what she called her boyfriend, but she was dating multiple people people. at the same time. Yeah. He came over they engaged in some very loud activities. <laughs> <laughs> they were playing Jenga. Yeah. Obviously. 
And her roommates were like, for the love of God. Like, apparently it went on for quite some time. Good for (laughs) them. And kept people in the house awake. (laughs) So all the girls, like, had a house meeting the next day. And they were like, it's cool. Just, like, be respectful of other people. Like, you can... Everybody can have whoever they want over, but, like, volumes. Yeah, Yeah. like, volumes. (laughs) And so... A couple nights later, Halloween comes around. So okay. it's Halloween night, and the girls decide that they're not going to go out. It's Napa Valley. Nobody goes out for sure. Napa, which was kind of like the ironic part of the story. Is like they were 26, and they were like, I know, let's live in sleepy Napa or whatever, right. and not in like L.A. where there was like a poppin' nightlife or whatever. Right. So they... They did the wholesome Napa Valley thing. They handed out candy to Aww. all the kids that were trick-or-treating. They just kind of had, like, a girls' night in, and then they went to bed at around 11 p.m. Now, Adrian and Leslie had bedrooms upstairs, and Lauren's bedroom was downstairs. Okay. And so Lauren was asleep and was woken up because the security light had tripped on behind the garage. Okay. And at this point, it's about 1.32 a.m., And her dog kind of gave, like, a warning bark, but Lauren was like, I thought it was the cat. Like, Adrian had cats, so she was like, I just thought it was the cat. It was like a one-time bark, like, hey, there's something. Yeah. Told my dog to pipe down and kind of went back to sleep. And then she said she heard footsteps going up the stairs. And she thought... She thought Leslie's boyfriend was coming in the house, and she, even, like, in an interview, was like, oh, no, not this again, because she was bracing herself for another... Loud night. Loud evening, yeah. Loud noises. (laughs) And so she kind of, like, again, quieted her dog down and then drifted back to sleep, because she didn't want to be the bad guy. She was like, let them do their thing. We'll talk about it in the morning or whatever. So she wasn't going to go up there and be like, hey, like... Don't do it again. Do your thing, but, like, come on. Yeah. Just wait and see what happened. And she said she just drifted back to the sleep when she heard what she described as a blood-curdling, terrified scream. Oh, God. So, what she... What do you do at that point? Like, is it them having, like, fun? and Or is it... She said it was very killing? obviously okay. not. No. She said it, like, woke her up, <sighs> like, out of a dead... Like, that, like, weird in-between stage where you can't really distinguish reality from whatever. Like, it popped her awake. Oof. And so she threw her door open, um, because her door was closed that night. She threw it open, and she could hear Adrian upstairs going, oh, my God, no, please help, please help, and screaming. And she was like, all right, something's really wrong. So Lauren is downstairs. The downstairs pitch dark. And she says that she's standing in her doorway, but she can't move. And then she kind of, like, starts to creep closer to the stairs where I was like, Lauren. Don't go. Yeah. Don't go. Down the basement. Don't go upstairs. Go outside. Yes. She's, like, creeping towards the stairs. And then she hears the intruder basically come barreling down the stairs right towards her. And she says, like, he's obviously in a mad rush, like, racing down the stairs. Things are crashing down, like, whatever they have on the walls are crashing down. He's breaking stuff as he's coming down the stairs. That's how fast he's moving. And so Lauren obviously is terrified because she's standing out there in the middle of everything. So she takes off running and heads towards the back door, throws open the back door and goes out into the backyard and realizes that she's in the backyard with with no way to get out. It's a six-foot fence. Apparently, Mm -hmm. they don't have a gate. And so she just hides in the backyard and just waits. I mean, 
That's, I mean, what else? Better than waiting at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. I don't know what exactly she thought was going to happen there. Um, so she hides in the backyard and she can hear inside that the, the intruder is like struggling with kitchen blinds at the front of the house. And yeah, it will, it'll make sense. And then everything gets quiet and she can hear Adrian inside still crying. She's not sure if the intruder is gone. She's not really sure what to do, but she knows that Adrian needs help. And so she goes inside the house, which is still dark at this point. And she tips toes upstairs to Adrian's bedroom. And oh my God. what she finds is just horrible. So in Adrian's bedroom, Leslie is laying on the floor and the floor is covered in blood. Like there's blood the everywhere fuck? in this bedroom. Okay. Leslie is laying face down in a pile of clothes and there are stab wounds all over her upper body. Oh my God. And Adrian is crouched behind her bed, bleeding profusely, barely alive, still crying. And Leslie sees all of this and realizes that Adrian is still alive, but also doesn't know if the person is still in the house. Right. So she turns and goes to run back down the stairs, slips on the blood because there's oh so gosh. much blood. And makes it back downstairs, grabs the house phone to call 911, and the line's dead. Oh, my goodness. So she runs and grabs her cell phone, and then in a panic, ends up leaving the house, gets in her car, and drives off. Because she doesn't know where he is. I would, yeah. too. Drives off, calls 911 while she's in her car, and tells the operator what had happened. So police arrive on scene, and they determine that the intruder had entered and exited through the unlocked kitchen window, which mm. is why they were struggling with the blinds. Oh, okay. Um, lock your doors, lock your windows. That's lesson here. Yeah. Um, and so Leslie is pronounced dead at the scene. And paramedics come and they take Adrian, um, but Adrian actually dies on the way to the hospital. Oh, no. So the police are just, like, completely stumped by this because there's no sign of sexual assault. There's oh. no sign of anything missing. It wasn't a robbery. Um, the evidence indicates that Leslie was attacked first and stabbed in her room and she attempted to run away. And that she ran into Adrian's room. Oh. Adrian tried to defend her friend. So Adrian was actually attacked second. And so the police are like, okay, so Leslie's the target. Yeah. Like, obviously. The first one, yeah. yeah. And so they collect 266 pieces of evidence from the scene, including some cigarette butts that are outside. That's and, a lot. Yeah. They find blood on the outside broken kitchen window that doesn't belong to any of the girls. So they're like, oh, we got some DNA here. And the DNA pattern, they end up running it. And sure enough, the DNA pattern comes back to a white male with blue or green eyes and light hair. And so they start fixating on the girls' boyfriends because, of course, you know, that's where we start. So, like I said, Adrian had that on and off again boyfriend that was like really like they had a pretty toxic relationship. Leslie was dating a lot at the time. So they ended up interviewing 1,300 people. No. And collected over 200 DNA samples. How do you even do that? I. I mean, I that's don't even. That's a lot. How do you know 1,300 people? That's a oh. lot of people. My guess is that's like. 
neighbors, coworkers, people that they worked with, boyfriends, family, like of yeah. two to three different girls because Lauren is included in all right. this. That, I guess it starts to make sense, but like that would take freaking forever. So they collect 200 DNA samples. This includes various family members, coworkers, guys that they've dated. So it's, you know. The, They're ruling people out. Yeah, yeah, ruling people out. So they're like, oh, you know, Adrian's boyfriend that they are so on and off or whatever. Let's talk to him. They ended up ruling him out. Leslie had dated the two guys at the same time. Mm -hmm. The older one had found out about the younger one and had gotten really pissed about that. So they're like, maybe it's this guy because (laughs) he found out that the girl he's dating was seeing other people. Ruled him out. They ruled out other boyfriends of hers that she'd, you know. Like past guys. Yeah. Yeah. None of the guys are hitting on this. And so... They're just kind of, like, stumped with it, and Lauren's questioning everything, wondering if it was, like, one of her friends or someone that she knew, and she was like, does this have to do with me? But the police end up running the DNA on the cigarettes that were found outside, and it matches the blood on the window. And so they were like, okay, so this person was basically sitting outside, Uh smoking cigarettes, waiting for their opportunity to strike. Like, just chilling at this time like by the time they start to put this together almost a year has passed it's august now of the next year and so the police police come to lauren and they're like this person is probably a smoker oh yeah and lauren was you don't like pick that up the night you're gonna kill right now somehow lauren was able to kind of go okay well the people i know that are male light eyes light hair and smoke well Adrian's friend Eric that had come over and done our housewarming party fits that description. Oh, no. But that was a really long time ago. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, that would make sense. I mean, that fits. Mm-hmm. But don't he doesn't really have a motive. There's no reason why. And he, at this point, he had actually at this time when she's piecing this together mm-hmm. him and adrian's friend lily who mm-hmm. had been there that night they had actually gotten married and so they're husband and wife now and she was like well they were over and they'd been over that one time to celebrate or whatever with us moving in and i remember that he did like go outside and smoke he was a smoker and she was like he was really really shy really really quiet he didn't, like, seem like the violent type or anything like that. He just wasn't very social at all. Like, he was very withdrawn. Okay. Um, but Lily's kind of, like, life of the party. Like, really outgoing or whatever. So there's probably a good balance there. And so they didn't really think much of it. But she was just like, hey, like, here's the name. Right. This is what I think. You asked me for smokers. Here's one. Yeah. And so she doesn't hear anything else about it. So she calls about a month later and she's like, hey, did you ever follow up on that? And they're like, yeah, well, we've tried to get in touch with him, but we haven't heard anything back. Okay. So she's like, maybe do more than call him. Right. That's fine. So then police eventually release the DNA description that they think matches this this guy to the media, as well as the photos of the cigarette brand. Oh. Now, the cigarettes themselves are camel Turkish golds. Mm-hmm. And at the time, they had only been on the market for four months before the murder. Oh. So n- it wasn't a super common brand yet right. for people to be smoking. Especially because you're loyal to a specific kind. Right. And so Eric's family and friends saw this media release and they were like, 
Wait just hey, a damn minute. Can you come here? Can you stand next yeah. to the sketch on the TV for a minute? <laughs> so it was his brand. And obviously he had light eyes, light hair. And so everybody's kind of like starting to question this. And suddenly Eric Copel shows up at the police station with his wife and a couple family members in tow. And he's like, I am here to surrender. To clear my name? No. To surrender? I'm here to surrender. <gasps> What? And they were like, come again? What? Like, what? And I guess he had written suicide notes to his parents explaining what had happened and basically said that he oh, was going to end his life. Okay. Before. And his parents had come, well, after the murder. After the murder, before he, before he, turned, he himself. turned himself yeah. in. Okay. And his parents had gotten the letters and managed to stop him before he actually went through with committing suicide. Oh, and they convinced the him to turn himself in. Which I was like, Yes. Good yes. job, parents. Landry family. Take oh, note. <laughs> no shade. But no, shade. that's all shade. shade. <laughs> so they convinced him to turn himself in, and everybody was super shaken by this. Now, Eric had married his girlfriend, Lily, less than three months after the murders, and they had invited Adrian's mom, Arlene Allen, to the wedding and even asked her to read a passage at the wedding in honor of Adrian. Lily and, Lily and Adrian were very, very close, like best friends, oh, okay. practically sisters. And so they had really incorporated her memory into their wedding. And Adrian's mom had participated oh. in the wedding. So everybody was like, no. That's no, cringe. Not, it couldn't be because like he was like. Respectful. And, yeah. Like, and he attended a candlelight vigil for her two weeks after the murder. And like they did all these things and they mm. even played her favorite song at the wedding. Oh my God. And Adrian's mom was like. WTF. Like. Wow. Excuse me. Excuse me. And so she was like, I'd never gotten a bad vibe from him. Like, there was no sign, no indication. Like, he never was on my radar. And Lauren was also kind of like, wait, what? Because, like, I gave you his name because he was a smoker. But she was like, he was just shy. But he seemed really nice. Like, this doesn't make any sense. No sense at all. And so everybody's sitting there scratching their heads like, what happened? Yeah, me too. Right? So at the time, um, in 2004, Lily Prudhomme was 25 years old, and she was a contract supervisor in Napa, and she had ended her engagement to Eric before the murders happened. Okay. They were going to get married in Hawaii, but ended up canceling the wedding, and instead, Lily was kind of like, well, this isn't going to work out. So she and Adrian had planned a trip to go to Australia together instead during the same time that they were going to get married. Like I said, Lily and Adrian were best friends. Um, and Adrian really, really wanted to climb the Sydney Har- Harbor Bridge because she was an engineer, obviously. Okay, sure. Um, so that was really interesting to her. And so when Eric and A- or when Eric and Lily broke up, Eric blamed Adrian a lot for the breakup, but also blamed her for kind of keeping them apart. Keeping so, her busy and yeah, doing things. Yeah. Yeah. She, he blamed her for being a good friend, basically. Right. He was like, don't support her in this. <laughs> um, but he also kind of wondered if maybe, like, the girls were having conversations or whatever, because they worked together, too. Oh. And so he was like, did she plant the seed? Did she encourage this? Mm. Like, is she somehow to blame? 
And so on Halloween night in 2004, Eric and Lily had ended up at the same Halloween party separately. Oh, okay. But in attendance at the same party. Mm -hmm. And things were tense because the next day was supposed to actually be their wedding day. They were supposed to get married November 1st of 2004, but Lily had broken off the engagement. So when they both end up at the same Halloween party... There's a lot of tension. They end up into in an argument about their broken engagement. Um, and Eric leaves in just like a huff. Like he's enraged. And he's still fuming about the fight when he goes to Adrian's house and sits outside her house, smoking his cigarettes, contemplating what to do. Oh my gosh. So somehow... Lily doesn't put any of this together. Like, hmm, that's odd. We got into a fight and then my best friend ends up dead the next day. Um, She says that she's basically completely oblivious to what had happened. And after the murders, Lily decided that life was too short. And so that's why she ends up getting back together with Eric. And basically because her friend died, she was like, life's too short. I need to marry this guy. So not only do they get back together, but they accelerate the wedding. Because he consoled her too, I'm sure, that her best friend had just died. Yeah. So little does she know that her now husband um, was the one that sat outside smoking his cigarettes, crept into the girl's house. Because when he was at their housewarming party, only two girls lived there. So he thought only two girls lived there. He had no idea they had a third roommate that was downstairs. So when he went upstairs, he didn't know whose bedroom was whose and just happened to pick Leslie's first. So he was actually there to kill Adrian, but he picked the wrong bedroom. So he started with Leslie, ended with Adrian, had no idea Lauren even existed, and then said that basically he... He doesn't remember what he used. He doesn't remember where he put the murder weapon. He knows that he had his eyes closed the whole time. But he goes into Leslie's room and begins stabbing her. She takes off running. Adrian tries to defend her friend. And he also then kills Adrian. He's like, oh, shit. There you are. Yeah. You're the one I was looking for. Yeah. And then when he realizes what he's done, he runs down the stairs and hurls out the kitchen window, basically. And escapes into the night. Then he went home and burned all of his clothes, burned his shoes, burned everything he had, and waited for Lily to call him with the horrible news. What a pig. Yeah. So obviously Lily gets the news. She's completely distraught. He consoles her. They get back together and they get married. And life is great for him until, like, everything catches up with him. So, when he did turn himself in, of course, this is a motive that people have kind of pieced together. Mm. Um, He still, to this day, has never really given the motive himself and said, like, that this is why he targeted them. He just is basically like, I don't know why he did it, and I have no idea where the murder weapon is, and I wasn't even looking the whole time. Um, But he did volunteer a DNA sample after, you know, he came forward and said it was me. His DNA matched everything. And so at his trial, they said that he actually seemed, as far as culprits go, seemed very remorseful. remorseful. In fact, he cried while he was giving his statement. And in his statement, he said, quote, I cannot fathom an explanation for my sinful deeds, the terrible agony inflicted upon a great number of people. My relationship with Lily was in peril and crashing. It was like 
or sorry, it was all like it fertilized the seed of anger in my heart. There was rage inside me. If I'd only listened to those who pleaded with me to get help I needed. So basically he felt like his relationship with Lily was ending and he took it out on Adrian. Now, at the time, he said basically his grandfather had died around this time. Eric has struggled with depression on several different occasions throughout his life. And when his grandfather died, it kind of put him into a spiral of depression. Sure. Him and Lily ended up breaking up. And then he turned to alcoholism to kind of start coping. Mm. And um, all of this basically created an explosive. Just culminated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have lost many people and I've never murdered anybody. So I don't know right. that your depression and grief is an excuse, but, but you um, had alcoholism to that though. Yeah. I mean, it definitely creates turmoil, but there are right. definitely a bunch of depressed people that struggle with, struggle with alcoholism sure. that don't commit murder. Um, he had felt suicidal on several occasions and his plan, like I said, was originally to kill himself, to kill himself after the murders happen, but then he opted to turn himself in so oh, the families would have closure. He wanted to do it right after? No, so he, after the murders, like, when he realized that, like, he was eventually going to get caught. They were like, getting on to him. Was, yeah. Yeah. He contemplated suicide before, so the idea of suicide wasn't really, like, a new one for him. Um, but he turned himself in because he wanted there to be closure in the case. Which, wow. Interesting. Um, That's a weird conundrum. Like, but it wasn't really. Like, because, uh, yeah, I killed her, but yeah, I feel remorseful and like I'm turning myself in. It is so weird. But it wasn't really. Like, it's not that he really wanted closure in the case. It's that his family convinced him to That's give them true. closure in the case. That's true. So obviously he was found guilty, and at sentencing, Adrian's mom spoke and told the judge that Adrian, despite never having worn a turtleneck in her life, had to be buried in a turtleneck oh. to try and cover her wounds. But they were still vis- visible. And then Lily was allowed to speak on behalf of her husband. And she said at the trial that she knew a gentler person and said, quote, there's nothing in the world that you could do to make me love you less. Whoa, Lily. Now, this was a particular blow to Adrian's mom because of she was course. like, listen, I've already been violated by your family. And Adrian's mom and Lily had been close after the murders. Of course. (laughs) And she was like, and then you get up there and defend the person that killed my daughter? And say, like, I'm on your team, babe. Right. Yeah. So Adrian's mom had a really hard time with that. Yeah. I would, too. Eric received life without parole. And he is serving his sentence at Pleasant Valley State Prison in California. Um, Leslie's mom, Reverend Kathy Harrington, and her two sons built a cottage in Leslie's memory at the Calvary Home for Children in Anderson, South Carolina. And Lily did, despite saying that there was nothing that he could do to make her love him less, she did end up eventually divorcing her husband, but for whatever reason, decided to keep his last name. Mm. Yeah. Cringe. So that is the double Halloween murder of Adrian and Sagna and Leslie Mazzara. Wow. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. I can't imagine being Lauren and being like, what do I do? What do I do? Well, yeah. And she obviously suffers from quite a bit of survivor's guilt. Oh, yeah. Because she's like, well, I'm the, if I hadn't had the downstairs bedroom and like, I was the only one that got out and you know, like she 
she struggles with that and she did struggle for the long time thinking it was something to do with her when she found out like it didn't have anything to do with her. I'm sure that that there was gives you a some, little bit of relief, but but still like oof. I can't imagine like hearing your friends screaming yeah. and, and then, the trauma that comes with that. Like hiding and no, finding them like that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Mm. Poor girl. Yeah. When I'm sure like she always questions like what would have happened if I hadn't left the house? Like what if I had stayed and helped Adrian or something like that? But I mean, it sounds like it was pretty bad. So. Yeah. That's awful. Yep. Oh man, I didn't know Napa could get that crazy. Yeah, well, Nat's like the town was really shaken by it because like stuff like that just doesn't really. Right. In fact, Lauren ended up moving to LA because she said that she felt safer in a mm. city where crime happened often. Girl. Instead of being like front page news herself. I see. Yeah, but. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, LA back in the early 2000s is not like LA now, so. Mm. Depends on where in LA. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. No, I can imagine. But all it's always those little towns where like nothing happens where like the big headline new shit happens. So. Right. <laughs> They're like, nothing like this has ever happened in our town. Yeah. Murder's like, mm, let me see what I can do about that. Yeah, let's let's change that up. <laughs> do a double or triple murder yeah I, so when i sat down to do stories because everybody freaking pushed me into the corner with this one um <laughs> you like if you google like crimes that happen on halloween the number one that always pops up is the dad that killed his own son with a pixie stick that he put in his son's halloween candy have you ever heard that story no oh i should have done it then the reason i didn't do it is because i feel like every podcast has told that story on halloween no and it's a dad that put a uh pixie stick in his son's Halloween candy that was filled with poison because his dad was so far in debt that he collected on his own son's life insurance. No. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty like bonkers story, but every podcast does it on Halloween at some point. And so I was like, I'm going to go against the grain because everybody's already <laughs> heard that story. And of course you haven't heard I it. I hadn't heard it. Yeah. So. Oh, that's terrible. I know. Who does that to their own child? Like, kill yourself. Don't fuck with I mean, like, sticks. don't kill anybody. Don't but, kill like, anyone, you don't but... kill your child for their health insurance, or for their life insurance, you monster. Oh. Yeah. I'll do that next year or something. Yeah. Okay. Forget we mentioned this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep it in. But, like, also, by in a year, forget about it. <laughs> oh, man. Next. That's Next time we are probably going back to Spooky because that's just where I'm living right now. Yeah. So. I want to hear about that box thing yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll tell you all about it. Okay. Okay. Just prep yourselves. So I think we're good on that one. Do we're... we have any recommendations? I know a lot of TV has happened lately. True Crime Tea Time? Yeah. Um. Uh, since we last recorded, Brian Landry's remains have been found. So that was Correct. a big one. Um. We do, we gave like a brief, you gave a brief Gabby timeline yeah. over on Patreon. So if you're not subscribed, um, every tier has access to that episode. It's not a free episode for like the public, but every tier that is signed up for Patreon can access that. But, um, there, so they found his remains. Yeah. I guess we'll do a little recap of it. So they, not the whole crime itself, right? Are you no, oh, no, okay. no, no. So they the the FBI released the the park. They reopened it to the public because they had it closed down because they were looking for him there. And then the day after they 
reopened it, his parents are like, hey, FBI, just FYI, we're going to go, we're going to go look for ourselves. Yeah. And within 30 minutes of them they walking start in. producing stuff. They first find a waterproof bag that they said belonged to Brian. Sorry. And I'm doing this with a grin on my face because I'm a little bit skeptical and I'll talk about that here in a minute, but they found, uh, a waterproof bag, the kind that you roll and then you clip together so your belongings stay dry. I believe they found like a notebook too, which the internet sleuths have gone crazy over and they have like screenshots of it in the van and whatnot. We don't know what's in the notebook. And then they found, I believe, a part of a jaw, some teeth in the jaw. I believe they were like molars and some pieces of spine. That's what we know as a public that they found, not much else. So supposedly the remains, or allegedly the remains, were at the bottom of a dry bed now, which had been flooded in the weeks prior while they were searching. So that's possibly why the FBI hadn't found him, even with cadaver dogs and etc. Um, but his parents found him, and they matched the dental records to the teeth that were found and they did DNA testing on the bones which came out inconclusive yeah we will see <laughs> we will see there's a I, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there so but a lot there. of people don't don't want to believe it's Brian I do not play into conspiracy theories, but even I have some doubts. So. Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. See, I, I I, wanted to tread lightly because I don't want to offend anyone. Of course, you know, we, I think it all seems like too convenient very, and too easy. Very convenient. And, and it's hard to, I think, as a public, everyone that's been involved in like keeping up with the case and whatnot, it's hard to know that the case is possibly at its end. Right. Yeah. So I think a lot of people have especially bought into a lot of the theories. I think it's because it's that grieving process of not and not wanting to come to not an acceptance. End. Right. Yeah. So but I think some of these theories may have some truth behind them yeah. that is backing them. So I don't know. here's one theory. My favorite is if it wasn't Brian's remains, right? Um, and if it's just one or two couple, a couple teeth, his uncle was a dentist. Do not tell me you thought he pulled his own teeth. <laughs> I am more inclined to think that <laughs> they are, dental records are not, not a, a very reliable well, source of confirmation of identity. His uncle was a dentist. So what if his uncle just switched the records to whoever was found and said they were Brian's yeah. records? Was his uncle his dentist? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. I know. Makes yeah. you think, right? So, yeah, I'd be curious to know where they actually got the records from. But my, I'm more inclined to think that they're not. It's just like. I don't know. I don't think that he pulled his own teeth or anything like that. But Did you see the remains, I though? I don't think that teeth are necessarily a surefire. Like, right. That's, that's the other one. Yeah. Right. So. I guess we'll see more. There's no cause of death um, on the remains for what they believe is Brian's remains at this point. I guess that is the latest update. Oh, um, the other piece of news that I had is that Fred, or sorry, Fred Durst. Holy moly. Wow. Not Fred Durst. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody different. 
Uh, Robert Durst, charges have been brought against him for the murder of his wife from the mm-hmm. 70s. So that was a pretty big one. That was pretty big. I yep. mean, and he got COVID too, right? While he's in jail? Supposedly, yeah. Supposedly he's on a vent for it. So we will see. Oh, he's on a vent for it? That's the last I heard, so we'll see if he actually comes off of it, but... I mean, it didn't... I mean, based on his pictures, it didn't look like he was good in good health yeah, at all. Yeah, if he survives so. this, it's going to be a freaking miracle. But that's all I have in true crime news. Otherwise, we have some new Patreon. Yay! Patreons. We did. Patrons, I guess. Patrons. I call them Patreons. <laughs> Patron, like the tequila. <laughs> You are my favorite. <laughs> so in the Diet Coke Fund, we have my dear friend, Annie. Hi, Annie. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. Hope California life is treating you well. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and then in the Murder Lovers, we have Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Welcome, Rachel. And for those who are in the Murder Lover tier... You might be getting something here in the mail soonish. Yes. That's specifically for that tier, but keep an eye out for that. Yes. Very excited about those early Christmas presents coming out. Yes. Thank you so much for you guys all continuing to subscribe and support us. Yeah, it's been two years now, so we're really excited about two years. Yay. So if you want to give us a present, go tell a friend that hasn't heard about us yet. And mm-hmm. make them listen to this episode. Yeah. This is like a good, like, ease in. Yeah, or just share us on your social media and reach a couple hundred, couple That's thousand, true. however popular you are. I'm not that popular, but <laughs> <laughs> reach all those people. Tell them. I could tell all my 10 friends on Instagram. <laughs> it's literally like, I, that's all I have on my Instagram. People are like, what, who are you? You don't really use Instagram. I don't at all. I just got reminded I have eight unread messages. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you would die (laughs) okay well thanks everyone and remember if you haven't left a review on itunes we'd appreciate it all right bye-bye bye